Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Hey, what happened to me? Wait a minute. Look at it all tiny. Wow. You know what? Today is the first day of Mercury Retrograde, and it started off so well. Not. I can tell you, just putting this show together today and getting everything started, and especially in my office, anything that could go wrong did, like, in our space. So, yeah, Mercury Retrograde is just swinging, swinging, swinging for me. It's going to be a long retrograde, I can tell you already. My kid kept falling over back here. Anyway, among other things, it's just like this little picture thing of me, whatever that was. Welcome, everybody, and my name is Charlotte, I'm going to be, I hope, to remain your host for an hour, if nothing else goes wrong. And I've got a great show lined up today. This is part of our uh, our uh, Galaxy Mystery Week, and we're going to be talking with Nor- 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 Cal- Northern California MUFON. To see what's happening out there. And I, I have a certain love for Northern California MUFON. I live in NorCal. And uh, I used to have a home up near Mount Shasta. And I used to sit there, you know, all, all the rumors at the top coming off Mount Shasta and, and uh, spaceships and stuff coming out of there. I used to sit there at night hoping, hoping, hoping to see the, the top come off of Mount Shasta. But it never happened. But I have seen weird things around the mountain. I can tell you that. Anyway, I'm also the uh, owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Based out of Sacramento. Up and down the state, we're 45 strong, um, which means we're, we're almost in every city. Almost. Well, I wouldn't say every city, but, you know, we're, we're in, like, certain locales. Which means we can help you from wherever we are. And the only issue with that is, is California is this huge state. You know, when people think of California, it's like Hawaii, right? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Beach boys, you know, and the beaches and all that. Well, that's true. We do have beach areas like that. We really do. Santa Cruz, kind of going down south. When you start coming up north, it gets colder. So going down south, you've got all the really cool beaches. Redondo, you know, and all that. But the truth of the matter is, California is huge. And a lot of people don't realize that. California has a lot of farmland. California has a lot of high desert. California has, like, low desert. California has mountains. And so it's, it's a huge, huge area. And so it might take us a couple days to get you, to help you out. Just a couple days, never more than three. But what we do have is um, psychics on staff that can call you until we can get out there. They'll they'll call you and consult. And a lot of the times, if you do have something going on in your if you're in your home or place of business, they can calm things down before we get out there. But like I said, it would never take us more than three days to get to you. You know, so uh, never fret that that we're not going to get to you. Okay, let's get that out of, now that that's out of the way and the rest of my spiel for the day. If you're watching from Facebook today, and a lot of you are, and you haven't done so already and you like what you see here tonight, please feel free to follow. It doesn't cost anything to follow. Uh, we're always looking for followers. Also, as you can tell, somebody already gave me a nice heart. Show me some love up, up there. Show me some thumbs up, happy faces, some love. Show me some love and comment. Feel free to comment during the show. 
Because what that does is, is Facebook has an FYP, and what the FYP does is the more you guys do that, the higher up in the FYP Facebook puts us, and that means more people get to view us. They'll distribute this out more. So that's what that's all about. Same thing with YouTube. If you haven't subscribed yet and you like what you see in here today, feel free to subscribe. I've got more than 780 videos at YouTube, and they're all from this show. And we cover all kinds of topics. Not only do we cover paranormal stuff, I'm a journalist, photojournalist. So I like to change it up sometimes, and we might cover, uh, we might cover a serial killer. We might cover um, spousal abuse. I like to change it up, you know. I might even get, get it in me to cover politics, which I don't do very often because I don't believe in that. But, you know, for this show. But I, I like to change it up, so it's not always paranormal. Also, if you go over to the front page of our YouTube page, it's confusing because YouTube does not sort these videos. I mean, it sorts them, but it sorts them by date. So when you get in there, you got to remember there's over 781 videos over there. So when you open up that front page, woo, right? It's just insane. And I've had to go through, and sometimes there's a guest that's been on before, and I can go get the information off, off that particular video. I've gone on there where I've gotten a migraine just trying to find a guest because it's just mind-boggling. So I'm in the process, just about done now, of categorizing my videos over there. So if, you, if, if you're into a particular topic, all you have to do is find that particular folder. Like tonight, where alien abductions, UFOs, there's an alien abduction UFO folder. So if you want to look at this show later on, or you want to find a show that we did like two years ago, you can do that. Just click on that folder and boom, in you go. If you're a big fan of Medium Nancy Matz, you can do that too. She's got her own private folder. Makes her happy. Nancy likes her own folder. Okay, but it's like that for everything, ghosts and hauntings, historical stuff, ancient history. I've got all the, everything folded out. And while you're over there, if you could do me a favor, if you get into a folder and you see something that might be out of place that might want to go under current news or under some other topic, shoot me an email because I'm more than happy to make that change. I'm also very um, active on the community page over on YouTube. And I will talk to you guys back and forth and send little messages over there. I don't have a website up for my paranormal team right now. We're in the transition period with it. I had one of the biggest websites for paranormal team in Northern California at one point. And so I've been putting it back together as time permits. So it's, it's taking some time. Taking some time to put it back together. Because Yahoo no longer, because it used to be on Yahoo. And Yahoo um, announced last year, or a year, maybe a year and a half or so ago that they, do, they no longer wanted to maintain websites anymore, so I had to find a new home, and it took me a while to choose who I was going to put or where I was going to put the website. And I finally have chosen, and so it's taking me a while to put everything back as it was, as they say. So just bear with me. So you can find us on YouTube, and the radio website is down right now for maintenance, but it will be back up by the by the end of this week. And so that's going to be the main website for even the paranormal team for now. Okay, okay, that's done. Again, if you like what you see and you're over on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe. Uh, we also, you know, if, if you need to get a hold of us for any reason, uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us, oh, YouTube, uh, thank you for reminding me. He reminded me. Uh, you can find us at YouTube at YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. Or you can find us on Instagram under Ghosty Gal. You can find us over on TikTok under California Haunts. You can find us on Twitter as California Haunts. You can find us on Twitch as, Cal as CalHaunts. And then, of course, Facebook, California Haunts, or my personal Facebook page. So we're easy to find. In fact, if, if, if you Google us, 
We'll just pop right up there on, on Google. Anyhow, welcome everybody. I'm real excited about tonight. And like I said, um, I've had a lot of experiences just in the Sacramento area with seeing things in the night sky. I've always been a night owl, so the majority of my jobs, I've always gotten off work between 8 and 10 p.m. And I've always been on the way home, and I'm always looking up at the sky because a lot of the time, like I said, California has a lot of farmland. So a lot of the time, like when I was working in Woodland, I had a 20, I had like a 20-minute drive back home, and, it, and the majority was, was through farmland. And so everything's flat, so you can look up and, you know, and you can see the sky pretty clear. I've, I've seen a lot of things in the sky. But that's not to say it's just that's just for the farmland. I've been coming home out of what we call West Sacramento, which is just across the river, across from the main city, and I've been coming across that bridge, and I'd see things up in the sky, real interesting things. And even as a kid, right? So I think it's an active area, you know, for, for strange objects. Now, I'm not an expert on airplanes or anything like that. I mean, my dad raised me. My father worked at Boeing working on aircraft and stuff, but he raised me around the airport and around like, like military shows and all that. So I know a little bit about what these airplanes look like. We lived about, you know, we still, I still live uh, probably about uh, seven or eight blocks from what used to be a major repair site for, for military aircraft. So I've seen, the, you know, I've seen, I've seen things like the B-1 bomber at night. I've seen things like the stealth bomber coming at night. And let me tell you, the stealth bomber can look like a UFO when it comes in. Because it's that triangle shape, and there's no sound, and they don't run any other any other running lights on it except on the tips. But um, the ones I've seen on TV, like on uh, my favorite show in Alaska, right? They don't look anything like a cell bomber. Well, I'm just saying. So I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of military craft at night, and I've seen a lot of weird things at night. I can't explain things that go straight up in the that, that go straight up into the atmosphere. In fact, one I saw before I before I bring Dev on. What I saw, it was a kind of somewhat cloudy night, and I saw the cloud light up, and I saw this craft go straight up in the air. And as it went up in the air, it lit, it lit the cloud layer up until it, until it disappeared. So I have seen some weird things. Okay, anyway, I'm going to shut up because this isn't my show. This is Dev's show. And so if you guys have any questions for her, feel free to ask questions. Um, you know, I know... Uh, a lot of the time, a lot of these shows don't cover NorCal. I know I haven't in the last few years. Uh, you know, it's always been national cases and stuff. So I'm really excited to get somebody out from Northern California to, 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 to pick their brain a little bit. Okay? All right. So let me bring Dev in, and, and away we go. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. Now that I'm out of breath, now it's your turn to... Tell, tell, tell us about you. Okay. Uh, well, I am Dev Rooney. I am the Assistant State Director for Northern California MUFON. Um, California actually most of the time lead in um, having the most reports in the country. And probably because of the fact that we have such great weather all mm -hmm. year long. And the pot, we have a high, a high population here. So people are always out. And um, and so I think that's probably uh, one of the main reasons is that, you know, uh, it's not like the East Coast where they're buried in snow and no one wants to go out. And so, but we, we continue to get um, cases. Now we have uh, here in Northern California, now 
the because California is so um, so big, and we have that many cases, um, uh, MUFON has split it in two. So we're here in the northern mm-hmm. section, and we have we covered the 45 counties in Northern California and Southern California. They have their own jurisdiction. They have their own state director and field investigators. And they care, and they uh, take care of the 13 counties down there. Mm-hmm. It sounds lopsided. We have 45; they have 13, but we have so much more of a rural area, and they're more compact. Mm-hmm. But they really get uh, most of the case, a lot of the cases, um, because it's so concentrated down there in the LA area. Um, I did some stats, and for 2013, California the total California cases that have come in as of yesterday uh, were 521 cases that were submitted in 2023. And that's 11% of all the reports around the country. So it's, it's a lot. Um, You know, a a lot of times we're seeing um, historical cases that come in as well. And when I say historical, it's, you know, it could be like a month ago and then beyond. So uh, what's interesting, and I love historical cases that uh, are like decades old, is that they're more of a disc-shaped object, your classic flying saucers. Nowadays, it seems to be more orbs, okay? And... uh, Within that 521 cases for all of California, people have put down, the witnesses have put down um, that when they, the the report asks what shape they are. So the most shape that was put down was a circle and that was 1,023 cases. Um, And, uh, and then a sphere would be, uh, second it was 725 now with northern california that's what we cover here and we have 12 investigators and that includes myself mm-hmm. and um we had we have gotten for 2023 as of yesterday i checked um 120 cases wow. so as you could see southern california gets a lot more sure sure so um now, another thing that a lot of people want to know is what county, because we go by counties. Sure. What county has the most reported? Well, I looked that up for 2023 for Northern California, and uh, it's Fresno. Fresno County had the most. And then it, it, then it was Santa Clara, Sonoma, and Contra Costa. And then Sacramento comes in after that. But a lot of times it is Sacramento. We we get a lot of uh, cases. Um, and, you know, 2023 is not over with yet. So uh, more, more ca- we get cases coming in every day, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now with, you know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of talk in the media about UFOs. So a lot more people are realizing that they have a place that they can report their sighting. And mm-hmm. and that's one of the questions I like to ask, especially if somebody puts in a report that's 
20 years old, I'll say, well, what made you uh, report it now? Well, their, their answer is, I didn't know I could report it before. I didn't know about MUFON and they've watched some programs on TV and they mentioned MUFON and they realize, oh, I can actually report that. And then they do. And, uh, you know, all reports are welcome. It doesn't matter how old they are. Um, in fact, like I said, some of the older historical cases are really amazing because they are of craft at close range and not just an orb, you know, <laughs> we get a lot of orbs uh, nowadays. So, um, so I wanted to just uh, bring that up and, um, you know, when it comes to field investigations, um, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I wrote a book, uh, a UFO investigator. It's on Amazon. I wanted to write a book about the fact that. Oops, sorry, wrong button. Keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not not only. Flipped on me. Not only did I want to put in some of the most um, fascinating cases that I've done. Uh, especially at close range, you know, and, and right. close encounters are like 500 feet or less of the witness. Uh -huh. So in this book, I wanted to chronicle, uh, well, I did 30 cases and I'm a very visual person. So I really like uh, pictures. And a lot uh -huh. of times I'll get the witness to draw a, a drawing um, that will show me what they saw because, you know, it is true. A picture is worth a thousand words because you could sit here till the cows come home and tell me in words to try to describe something that you're really not sure what it even is anyway. Mm -hmm. So having pictures and in this book, what I did was um, I wanted to bring some of these cases to life. And so I had hired some digital artists to uh, take some of these uh, drawings and kind of bring them to life. So the book has um, these pictures in color. I wanted color. I wanted to pop, right? I, I wanted, I didn't want just black and white, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that, that I wanted to write the book was um, to talk about me as an investigator and how I felt I became an investigator because of what happened to me when I was a kid. Um, and I talk about that incident where I knew something happened, but I wasn't sure what, because I was 11 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I forgot about the incident. And then several years later, I remembered and uh, it really bothered me. So in 1990, I wanted to find out more about it because it just bugged me. But I, you know, in the 70s, I, uh, there was no internet. So you had the library, you had uh, UFO magazines, you had this kind of thing. Plus, I had joined APRO, and that is the Aerial Phenomena Research, uh, Research Organization back mm -hmm. then. And um, ended up getting their publication. Um, and uh, I was having sightings of my own. In fact, I had a sighting in 78 of two daylight, di uh, of, of two discs 
uh, in the in the daylight, right? And it, mm -hmm. they flew right over my head, and I wanted to report it. And so, APRO, uh, I ended up writing them and getting a report form, a paper form, right? Because there was no internet, so that's how it was done. So I wrote out my report, kind of drew a little drawing of what I saw, and put it in. Um, but you know, the book, I wanted to talk about not only what happened to me and all the sightings that I've had, mm -hmm. uh, paranormal uh, things that were going on mm -hmm. with me. Uh, I started realizing I was kind of on a psychic level. I was on a psychic level. I kind of knew things that were going to happen mm -hmm. ahead of time. And... Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about investigations, and uh, I give kind of some, like, examples of, like, a, a lens flare. A lot of times people will take a picture of, a, of whether it's a sky or what, but they don't realize that when they point a camera, and it could be your cell phone, it could be a regular camera, but when you point that camera at a light source, that sensor will pick that up, that light source, and it will create an anomaly, uh, um, an artifact. And of course, people think, oh, I caught a UFO. But when you see that light source near that, that artifact, then you know that that was a lens flare. So mm -hmm. I kind of talk about that in the book as well. Um, the last chapter is about I went under hypnosis to try to uh, find out what what had happened to me. And mm -hmm. I had uh, two and uh, I had two regressions and had them tape recorded. And then I just transcribed what was said. And so that makes up chapter seven. But chapters three through six are of the 30 cases that I chronicle in the book and I kind of give an overall view of what happened like where it was and everything uh usually a drawing or a, or a digital picture that I had um an artist create mm -hmm. and then kind of like a conclusion of what I felt about that case um my thoughts about it you know so I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that a lot of people love it because it was an easy read. And that's what I really wanted because I didn't want to just, I didn't want to just to write this book for people that were investigators or were interested in UFOs. I wanted to also make it to where it would be an easy read for people who maybe didn't know a lot about UFOs mm -hmm. and, uh, and not be this big, boring book that, you know, just nothing but words and you're just going on and on. And it, it I've come across books like that and it's no fun. <laughs> so I was really, really happy and proud to know that people liked it because it was, it was an easy read and there was a lot of information in it. Um, and, you know, I've done this for, I've been investigating since the late 70s. So this whole thing about UFO investigation is my life because mm 
I really truly believe that whatever happened to me um, back when I was 11 really kind of brought me forefront into becoming this investigator. I wanted to find out more, but I was really, you know, even though now I know that I was taken, I'm, and I see UFOs all the time, like strange craft. And I do have people that are, that have been with me that seen them. Um, I'm still as an investigator, really into listening to other people's sightings. Uh I love talking to people about what they've experienced or saw. And I mean, I get down to asking every little detail to find out, like if I was standing next to them and I was there with them during that sighting, I'm thinking in my head, what what would we be looking at? And I would want all this detail. And, and so I have a really great time uh, doing this, uh, being an investigator and getting all the details. And in fact, the, the front of the book is me out on a live investigation with an actual witness and she is pointing up, explaining to me what she had saw. This happens to be in uh, West Sacramento. I was out on this live investigation with her and uh, and then, uh, so this, the, the, the image of me and her are real, but the background with the house and, and, and the UFO and all that, that was digitally made because we were in a residential area, but that's an actual photo of me and her, uh, an actual witness that I was out on a live investigation. And I, I, I was also this, the chief investigator for Oregon MUFON. And so I've done live investigations in two different states and, um, I have gone out on a lot of, a lot of in, uh, investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, as an investigator for MUFON, like I said, I have, there's 12 of us here in Northern California, but mm-hmm. for anybody that's interested in becoming a UFO investigator for MUFON, and they think that they have to go out um, all the time, that's not the case. You because a lot of times they'll be getting cases that are just of some kind of uh, object that's really high in the sky, you know, mm-hmm. and there really isn't anything that warrants you to have to go out uh, to investigate something that was so far away. And there's very little information anyway, because they can't see a whole lot when it's, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of feet uh, in the air. You just mm-hmm. can't see much. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a lot of times we just get on the phone and we do a phone interview and ask additional information to try to conclude, uh, the case. And here's the thing that everybody needs to understand. When you put in a UFO invest, a UFO case with us, a report, everybody's first question is, oh, I want to know what I saw. Well, I try to explain to them we're trained to try to find out what it's not. Mm -hmm. Is it an airplane? Is it a helicopter? Is it the planet Venus? Is it a balloon, a drone? 
when we've exhausted all of that, then we just come up with, well, I don't know what it is because it was none of those mm-hmm. things, none of those conventional things that we can identify. And so we're left with an unknown. So that's what I always try to tell everybody because, you know, like they say, well, what did I see? I, I don't know. Right. I, I can't lie to them and say, oh, you saw a, a UFO. Well, obviously it's unidentified if I can't figure out if it was a plane or not or, or, or a helicopter or anything. So, yeah, it, it, it becomes an unknown. And isn't that part of UFO, an uh-huh. unknown flying object? So, yeah. But what it actually is, I don't know. Uh-huh. And we, we can't really say because we don't. We don't know. So so that's it in a nutshell as far as the book. And, uh, you know, just uh, there's some amazing cases in here. And here's uh-huh. the thing. All these hundreds of cases that we get, they're not as dramatic as the ones that I've, I've put in the book because, uh, like I said, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, reports that are coming in nowadays are of orbs. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like, you know, and in, in my book here, uh, chapters three through six, I have... Uh, what I did was I categorized them in shapes because I'm very interested in the different shaped UFOs. So there's a chapter on dish-shaped objects. Um, and here's a picture of, of, of a disc shape. Uh, there's triangles. There's uh, rectangles. I have a, a chapter on other type UFOs because there's really like very strange other types. And uh, I I find them just fascinating when they're being seen less than 500 feet away, because when they're that close, you should have a lot of detail that you're seeing. And they are, they do. They, I, when I talk to these people and I say, wow, that's really close. You should have been able to see all kinds of stuff. Well, yeah, this is what I saw. And uh, just amazing. There were some cases that I wanted to put in the book, but I didn't have a drawing from the witness. And I don't want to guess based on words. I don't want to have an artist create something I think it looks like because that would be false. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to present pictures of what they drew for me, that the witness actually drew and showed me, like, this is the shape. This is, you know, maybe it had windows. That was the shape of the windows, whatever. And so there was no guessing or fabricating. I didn't want that. I wanted it to be. Um, as authentic as possible when I presented um, digital, uh, like digital drawings that I had Mm -hmm. done. And, you know, there's, there's like 
this is the witness's own drawing. Mm -hmm. And I felt, well, that's, that's pretty good. You know, like I, I didn't feel like I had to have an artist recreate that mm -hmm. because there are some people that are really artistic in their own right. And that other, that other uh, picture that I showed you uh, of that uh, disc, mm -hmm. I actually had that, um, I actually had an artist uh, recreated this one. Now, if you saw the original drawing from the witness, it was just as good in pencil. He was an artist, but unfortunately he passed away. And I wasn't able to get a hold of him because uh, when I did reach out to talk to him again while I was writing my book, I was informed that he passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to honor him, I decided to take his wonderful drawing and just put it to life with color. And I had an artist in another country uh, do that drawing in honor of him because I was sad to hear that he had passed away, but he had an amazing case when he was a child um, and saw that, that object, that just shaped object uh, at close range, very close range. So, so I didn't know if you had any questions. I, um, well, what was, I felt interesting about the statue you related was that Fresno is, is, is such an active area because you always hear about Mount Shasta and weed and all those areas, you know, and, and that's why when you said that, I was like, wow, you know, it kind of shocked me. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing about Fresno. Fresno is also, there's a lot. Uh, um, I know a guy that is an active field investigator looking for Bigfoot and Dogman. And he's a personal friend of mine. And uh, at one time, I was the regional one director for the um, North American Dogman Project. And I had 11 states in the West that I uh, uh, oversaw. And uh, I, I did step down for that um, position because MUFON just takes up a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel that I could... Um, spread myself any thinner and and do that position correctly so i i actually um suggested a, a guy that will take that took over for me in that role um but getting back to fresno so there's a lot of bigfoot sightings there uh there's been dogman sightings uh ufos all the time many cases where um down by highway five lots of people have seen triangular shaped objects uh flying over uh -huh. the freeway as they're driving um there is a uh i believe there's an air force base out there so you know i don't know if ufos are attracted to that or there's something in correlation with that, but that's something that we always look for too. If there's any sightings, um, we always try to see if there is any military bases around. Mm -hmm. So, 
but yeah, but Fresno has, has always been a hot spot in Sac, Sacramento, um, a lot of the Bay Area as well, but, um, and it fluctuates, you know, depends mm-hmm. on uh, cases that come in and, and where. So, and it's not always, you know, people always think open spaces like rural areas will have more UFO sightings. That's not the case. San Francisco, okay, is a huge city, and there have been many, 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 many sightings right there in the city. Oh, yeah. In fact, in my book, it was a San Francisco case. Uh, Let's see. That would have been a rectangular. um, I actually, I don't know if you could see this, but. So this is a rectangular, a rectangular uh, shaped object. Mm -hmm. And this woman, I don't know if you can see it, but this is the apartment building. And she's looking out the window right there in the middle of the night because she was worried about her truck. And uh, she got up and had to go to the bathroom. And then she got a little something to drink out of the refrigerator and then decided to look out the window to check out, make sure that no one was messing with the car because I guess they had some issue with the gate. And so she's looking out the window when she sees this thing coming down from the sky. And at first she thought it was an airplane going to crash or something because she's all she saw was an object with some lights. It was dark. It was a dark object. And, but she saw some white lights and she thought, Oh my God, is that an airplane falling out of the sky but so she's looking and it turns out to be this rectangular uh black object almost kind of like um that monolith in that movie um 2001 space odyssey really yeah and she said this thing was under intelligent control it came down right in front of her as she's looking out the window and it just hovered Hmm. she could see white lights on every uh corner wow and uh (laughs) it was so she said it was thin it wasn't thick like like how can anything be in it? She didn't understand um, that the thickness was too thin for anything to be inside it. So she was kind of freaked out at first. um, And then it ended up uh, going up and flattening out and then, and then taking off. But it was, an amazing case uh there's probably a little more to it um Mm -hmm. in the book but uh that drawing she actually had her own she she hired a digital artist to recreate it and then she sent it to me and i got permission to use it in my book um she did a whole blog on it too. I guess she has a blog and she talked about it because it, it really affected her. 
And when you're having something that you can't explain, be that close to you, mm-hmm. yeah, this is something that you'll never forget. And it's always on your mind. And everybody has always told me when they've had a dramatic sighting, it doesn't matter how many years go by, that never leaves their mind. They'll never forget it. And it really impacts you, you know? So. <laughs> oh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. I wanted to ask you about that West Sacramento case. Uh, what, what year was that when, when he saw that? Um, which Sacramento case? The, the West Sacramento one in your book. Oh, oh. Oh, on the cover. What year was that? Uh, I would say, gosh, maybe 2016, maybe 2018, something like that. It's hard. It's hard to keep um, track of all that. Um, Her case is not in the book. Uh Um. I just asked her permission if I can use this image with her on it. Mm -hmm. Even though it doesn't show her face, I still got permission to use that photo. Um, But she had a sighting. And uh, what was interesting was um, what I remember. And I always ask this with close encounters. Was there any paranormal activity? after that Mm -hmm. and she said oh i didn't realize that that would have been uh uh, related in some way and i said well yeah you would be surprised and she said absolutely there was and uh talked about uh i think something was moving I, i can't remember all the details um you know i've done over a thousand cases for MUFON in about 13 years. And that's just MUFON alone. That's not what people send me privately through email or text me or message me in some way. Um, So to keep every detail, it's very difficult because there's just too many. But but with her case, yes, there was some poltergeist activity in a sense after the sighting and uh but yeah so um there was two cases that i did uh wanted to read that happened this year one was in morgan hill and one's in stockton if i if i may is it okay okay absolutely so on january 25th of this year around 7 p.m in stockton The witness was driving from the grocery store and she looked east when she saw a diamond-shaped craft with blinking lights on each corner. She pulled over to look at it as it continued traveling southeast before it disappeared. So she had drawn a drawing, a sketch. And when it's, you know, what's interesting is she calls it a diamond shape, but in the drawing, it it's not it it's kind of on its side so it almost looks square but you know how a diamond you know what i'm saying like so if if every side is equal Uh 
depending on how, you know, thin it is, hers was more thicker. So it appeared more to me square, mm -hmm. but again, it's perception. You know, I, I always tell the story. I always say when it comes to perception, everybody's different. And I'll never forget. There was a, a Mexican case in Mexico and the investigator asked the guy, what did the UFO uh, look like? And in his mind, instead of saying a disc-shaped object or a flying saucer, he said a sombrero. Okay. So again, the shape reminded him of a sombrero. Mm -hmm. So our perception is based on what we know, what we've experienced in life, what we believe. So it's very important. Again, this lady called it a diamond, mm -hmm. but the way she drew it, it almost could be a square as, as well. So that's important to um, sure. remember. Uh, this other case here of this year, on March 20th of 2023, around midnight in Morgan Hill, the witness was driving home from his grandfather's house when he saw a classic disc-shaped craft flying over the road. The craft had a dome on top with red and green lights around its perimeter. It made a low humming sound and then it flew west towards the ocean. So again, you know, you're looking at something that's in route. It's, it's traveling somewhere. It's just traveling by and you happen to be in the right place at the right time to see it. And then you just see in it and it's just going till it disappears. So in these two cases, um, what I liked about these two cases was that there was a definite shape and it was close enough to where they could identify a shape mm -hmm. and not just an, an orb or a circle way in the sky. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. right. Uh, so this, this, these, these, uh, these sightings were a little bit closer and they could really see a shape. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's why I wanted to just bring this up sure. um, because we're getting a lot of orb sightings. Mm -hmm. And although it's interesting to see orbs and obviously those orange orbs aren't airplanes or anything else identifiable, they're not as dramatic as actually a shape of a, of a craft at a closer range mm -hmm. that would probably scare people because then it's like right there. And then you get the feeling like, Oh shit, it saw me, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But when something's at a distance, you know, you're not going to get as frightened or, I mean, obviously you're going to go, what's that, you know, and know that it's, it's something that isn't a normal craft of some sort. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah. You know, when I've looked into some of these, I, I read, um, the Mojave incident, that one scared me. Yes. Out of all the ones, that, that one scared the hell out of me. Yes. As a paranormal investigator for 18 years, like we, like when you ask these people, you know, uh, you know, these people that have seen this, was the paranormal activity after? When I read the Mojave incident, it really made me rethink what I do as a paranormal investigator because a lot of what they described happening afterwards is exactly what we're doing when we're out in the field, the reports we get from clients. 
you know, with, with, the, with the alien ability to walk through the walls, you know, where the, and the room will get colder and, you know, objects moving around and things like that. So it's made me rethink. And then when you think about the EVPs that we get, they sound, you know, unless it's a Class A where it's right there, they sound like they're, they're so far away, you know, because of the frequencies. And that's what made me start to wonder about that, that what if it's aliens you know, th that we're actually hunting and not ghosts, per se? Yeah, I mean, you don't know. I mean, and that's just it, because you're, you're dealing with um, something that you're not seeing, and if you're picking up the EVPs, you're hearing audible sounds or voices or whatever so they're disembodied spirits of some sort but then again you know um if you if you do pick up something like that i mean how of course everybody's gonna think it's ghosts okay right. but there isn't any proof that it's oh that's absolutely just a ghost or you know it could it could it be an entity well, yeah, because when you think about some of the EVPs that I, well, the ones I've gotten over the years, some of them even sound robotic, you know, and some of them sound like they're underwater, mm -hmm. like they could be coming from another dimension or, or whatever. But I mean, it make it like I said, it makes me wonder. Like, like the real clear ones, okay, I, you know, I can see that being a ghost or whatever. But these other ones that sound robotic and, and they sound so they're so low in the octaves and, and all this is going on, it you know, after after reading that book. Again, it made me rethink what I'm picking up because it could be aliens. And I think that's a question that I'm going to start adding into my paranormal investigation. You know, the, the prelims, have you at any time witnessed a UFO activity or UAP activity? I think that's an important question to ask now. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, here's the thing. Here's something to um, think about is... Before MUFON created the ERT team, which is the Experiencer Research Team, and they now deal with all abduction cases, we no longer do that. We are, uh, us UFO investigators for MUFON, we're dealing with just the UFO aspect of it. Sure. But before that team was created, I handled a lot of uh, cases that, uh, were of people that were claiming abduction. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, dealing with missing time, all that. So I do have a lot of experience with um, people that have been um, taken or, you know, because they created that word experiencer because there were people that felt that it wasn't a negative experience and they felt that the word abductee or abduction was negative. Like they were taken against their will when there's people out there that truly believe, mm -hmm. no, I wasn't taken. Um, they weren't evil. They, it, they, mm -hmm. they saw it as a positive experience. So they, mm -hmm. they, they came up with this experience or title for people like that. Um, so, you know, when it comes to 
the people that were putting in reports about being um, seeing aliens in their room, in their bedrooms or in their house or wherever, mm-hmm. there was a lot of times there was no UFO seen. No UFO seen. So you may want to say, because what will happen is if they were in bed, they just got in bed, they're getting ready to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bright light outside, mm-hmm. but they never saw a UFO. And then the next minute they know an alien's walking through the wall mm-hmm. and now is in the room. And they're like, oh, dang. Right. So a lot of times they will talk about seeing entities in their room or in their house or wherever. And they never saw a UFO. Okay. So a lot of times it might just be a bright light outside shining through. And they're like, well, what's that? And then before they can even get up and investigate, like, or look out the window, boom, now there's this alien standing there. So, so there's a lot of cases like that. Mm-hmm. There's no UFO scene. Mm-hmm. There, ha- there have been people who have their bed right up against the window mm-hmm. and they're, they just laid down. And now there's this bright light shining through and they sit up. And now they're so close to the window that they can actually look out. And that's when they'll see a UFO. Mm-hmm. And then the next moment, they may not see an alien or the next thing they know, it, an alien is in the room with them. So there's different scenarios with that mm-hmm. is what I understand uh, as far as the people that I've interviewed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. So that may be because they may not have remembered either. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that will see a UFO, like if they're driving down the road and a UFO comes down and it's hovering in front of them and then they stop the car and then whatever happens, happens. Uh And a lot of times they don't remember for years in years, but something will trigger them. And that has happened to me mm-hmm. a, a few times where I've had a sighting and then I forgot about it. And then something triggers me to remember it. But then because I'm a UFO investigator, I'm always reading or listening to someone telling me their story and it might trigger my memory of what I saw or what happened to me in some way. Sure. And then we'll, cause like when I interview them and I'll start talking, I'll say to the, they'll tell me, Oh, I, I was on this road. And the next thing I know I'm over here. And I said, Oh yeah, that's happened to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they'll say things that I'm, I, I know what they're talking about because I've been there. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. It is. The whole thing is fascinating. Um, you know, in, in the work you've done, when you talk about being a field investigator, when you do get a call that you go out on, physically go out on, what do you do when you're out there? Um, well, I make sure that um, when I talk to the witness on the phone, I, I always tell them, because I'll know because of the case, mm-hmm. where it happened, whether it's at their house, whether they were on the road somewhere. 
And then I'll tell them, I want to be where you were when you saw it. And then, uh, like in this one case, uh, and I showed you that pencil drawing of those three objects, I went out, uh, I traveled up and met the guy there. And it was a rural area. And uh, we pulled over the side of the road and uh, we get out of our car and um, he starts telling me, okay, it was, we came down this road and it was right about here when those three uh, UFOs came over the road. And then I'll be taking pictures uh, of the area. Um, I'll be asking him a series of questions about, well, elevation well how high was it when they came over the road about you know was it here and we'll go over elevation we'll talk about direction where did it come and i'll have uh, a compass you know uh to verify the direction uh we'll, we'll talk about what it looked like how he felt who was with him who else saw it uh what what did they say um so it's the whole nine yards uh, because while they're there, they're reliving it in their mind because they're right there. And, and they'll look around and go, yeah. It, and then we'll talk about the, the the time of day. Where was the sun? You know, uh, did the sun glint, you know, glint off the surfaces? What was the color of the surface? You know, was there lights? Was there domes? Was there anything coming down as far as beams? And, so all that is really mostly in the report anyway, but I will go out there with a series of additional questions. And then when I'm out there, if I can think of anything else, I'll... Uh -oh. and so I'll either tape record it or I write notes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, it's similar to what we do is, uh, you know, I'm the fearless paranormal investigators. It's, a lot, mm -hmm. it's really similar. I remember, yes. I don't know if you were, with move with this part move on at that point when they had this the, the alleged crop circle in Vallejo my state director went out there and I, I I don't know what year that was so I don't know if I was in Oregon as I part remember of Oregon going out there because yeah. my mom and dad were into that stuff so we we go out there and back then I was a paranormal investigator that was a long time ago just starting out I think and I remember going out there and I'm looking around and I thought, well, this is kind of cool. But then way off, probably I would say 60, 70 feet from where the circle was, there was this flat piece of wood. Oh. I looked at my mother and I said, you know what? This isn't real. Somebody did this. Right, right. And within about a week it came out that, you know, that somebody admitted that they had done it. But it was interesting because the amount of people that went out to see this thing. It was like a major event. Well, I yeah, mean, because so there's much interest. Yeah. Well, yeah, and because a lot of times these don't happen around here. It's it's mm -hmm. usually you're hearing about England, you know. And yeah, so you know, right here in your backyard, everybody's going to flock. <laughs> They're going to get out there and see for themselves, you know, something that they don't have to travel ha halfway around the world to see. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> In your experience doing these, you know, looking into these things, 
like you say, you, you've seen it. Have you seen it? Okay, like earlier you were talking about increasing cases. Do you think it's because, and I think like this with paranormal, when I was first investigating the paranormal, it was hard to get, for, get people to admit that they had seen ghosts at that time. And then once these TV shows started to hit, the floodgates opened. And now people oh. just are like, oh, by the way, I was sitting here having coffee and, you know, this happened. Have you found that to be the same way with, with what you're doing? Absolutely, because I think it was last year when um, ancient, I think it was ancient aliens, they actually had a MUFON episode. Oh my God, we'd started getting a ton of cases and I was always asking them, oh, what made you report this now? Oh, I watched that episode on ancient aliens and they brought up MUFON and I, I wanted to put in my sighting because I didn't know that I could put it anywhere. Right. You know, So that really opened up the floodgates. So anytime they have something like that and they like profile MUFON, mm-hmm. And if people didn't know about MUFON before, then that opens up the awareness of, oh, it's a reporting center. I can go ahead and report my sighting. So, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know you kind of mentioned that earlier, but I wanted to bring that out a little more because I, I think for both the fields that, you know, that, that we're in, TV has done a great deal to help us in getting these cases to, to look into because otherwise people were really closed mouth about it. In fact, back in the day, People thought thought ghost you know ghost hunters were weirdos you know it's just like it was like anything else and I'm sure you guys went through that too as was move on you know and and yeah it's just definitely increased I mean and I think people are so are so much more aware that that, that they're looking up more as well mm-hmm. I think that's well, going I think on too the difference between UFOs and the ghost hunting or, or investigating ghost uh, stuff is um, you know, there are people that believe that aliens are demonic. Yes. And, of course, um, then there's that stigma of if you go out ghost hunting, you might, uh, like, bring something home. Mm-hmm. That hitchhiker effect. And, and right. so, you know, that that's something that gets brought up. A lot, you know, as far as, well, if you um, you don't want to come home and, and now you've brought something back, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But with UFOs, here's the thing. It already happened. Right. The UFO sighting already happened. They're not there. Now, twice when I went out on a live investigation and I'm there with the witness we actually had another UFO sighting while we were standing there together. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, this is cool, right? Because I'm there to investigate a sighting that already happened and, and, it, and it was, it kind of came and gone, but mm-hmm. then there we are. And we're like, Oh my God, what's that? And there's a UFO. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, this hour has gone so fast. And I have one more question for you. If somebody wants to get involved with with MUFON, how do they do it? Um, well, you go on MUFON.com. And if you want to become 
a member, you can. Um, if you want to become a field investigator, you can. It, it's there uh, on the website. Uh, but you, to become a field investigator, you have to be a member and you have to redo your dues every year. And then, you know, there's steps in becoming a field investigator and it's, you're going to have to buy the field investigator manual to take the test online, uh, this kind of thing. So, um, you know, it does involve some money, but, um, cause it's not free, but right. yeah, ufon.com. My local, uh, website is Northern California, mufon.com. And, uh, you can, uh, go on the about us page and you can see all of us investigators for Northern California. And there's some other things there. And, and also a link to my book is on that website. So again, Northern California, mufon.com. Fantastic. Like I said, this hour went so fast. Thank you so much for coming on. And Thank you. Myself and a couple investigators are going to come visit you guys. Uh, you're, at the uh, that field event you got going up uh, in Coloma. Yes, so um, I run the Rockland MUFON group every month. It's the second Saturday. If you go to the Northern California MUFON.com <clears throat> website, it, it's, it's on there, the meeting uh, in Roseville. So every second Saturday of the month, I have a meeting, a MUFON meeting, and everybody's welcome to come and tell your sighting and talk UFOs. Uh, on September 23rd, I'm having a sky watch in Coloma. Uh, I think it's the Kensington uh, Park out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to uh, put it on the um, Facebook page because I have a Rockland MUFON Facebook page and it'll be there. And then I have a an email address uh, list of people. And um, my email address is on the Northern California MUFON.com. So anyone that wants to contact me, you can uh, get my email there. And uh, yeah, so we're going to have a sky watch on the 23rd and uh, it's going to be great. Uh, really nice area, bathrooms that got a parking lot, uh, grass area where we'll have our chairs and, and the river's right there. So, you know, um, it's, a, it's a nice little area. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming again. I really appreciate it. And I don't want to lose touch with you. It's important to me. I think you and I can kind of work together on some stuff and, you know, and chit chat about stuff. I think yeah. if it's okay with you, it would be a nice alliance, kind of a nice alliance and friendship going on, you know. Yeah, absolutely. This. And uh, hopefully, you know, you can make it out to the Skywatch. That would be fun. We're headed. We're going to go there. Yep. yep. Perfect. Yeah, that would, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. And um, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I, I appreciate you coming on. Have a great rest of your evening. You too. All right. Bye-bye. That was cool. Absolutely cool. And uh, wow, I'm really excited about that. Really excited about getting get, get to know this group. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a gentleman on who goes by Z. And Z had an interesting experience in Florida. He was out hiking one day and saw a woman 
who was, I guess, stuck on a bush. And I, I, I probably her clothes, I would think. I don't have all the details on this case. But because my grandmother used to wear these these, these uh, aprons. And she, we had rose bushes back here. And she was forever getting stuck on the rose bushes. Anyway, so he helped her out. And as he turned to leave and he turned to look back after she thanked him, he thought he saw her disappear into what looked like a blue light. Okay. So a month or so later, he goes back to the area to check it out. And she was there again, only there were like four or five others with her. And they were males, very tall, really tall people. The next thing he remembered was being taken aboard a ship. So he's going to be here tomorrow to tell his story, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And um, he, he has a really great uh, career that he, that, that he does. Um, he is the founder of an uh, organization that helps track sex trackers and children. And they've rescued children from these, these sex trackers. And that's what he does for his real job. But this other thing that happened, um, he calls it a very, very unique happening. And uh, it, it opened his eyes to... To, to stuff in the world, and, and uh, that I can understand. So he'll be here tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, okay? So that's tomorrow's show. I want to thank Dev again for coming on today. All right, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. You know, we're just trying to get the word out. You guys have done a fantastic job. Everybody that watches the podcast, everybody that watches this, sharing it. Our numbers are going up. I'm, I'm real excited, and I want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of this audience. And, and if you haven't seen the show before today, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. I do, and I hope that you decide to follow us or subscribe to us over on YouTube. So, again, I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific with Z. Have a great evening, and I'll give you Dev's contact information and where you can get her book and all that good stuff before I sign off. Here we go. I did it again. Wrong button. Look at that. Darn Mercury. Okay, here we go. Try this again. It's been like this all afternoon. Okay. The book is UFO Investigator. Did it flip on me again? It looks like it flipped on me again. Look at that. You know what? I didn't even flip it. I flipped it down. That's doing this stuff. Look at this stuff. Okay, there we go. Website, northerncaliforniamufon.com. It flipped again because I switched this back during the interview. So it's uh, northerncaliforniamufon.com. And she's also got a Rockland site All right, on Facebook. UFO Investigator is the book. And that can be purchased at Amazon. And there's also a link from her website there, from, from the MUFON website there for it. Okay, again, I'm going to shut everything down because it looks like, like I said, I was having issues before the show started. It's still going on. So I think Mercury Retrograde is already getting to me. So after I get done here, I'm done. <laughs> so I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific with Mr. Z. Have a great there we go. Have a great evening, everyone. Ah, we just.